Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Good evening, Windy. And our tactics guy and my spiritual guide, Nathan A. Clark. <laughs> Hello, Nathan. <laughs> Hello, mate. How's it going? New intro there for you, Nathan. Love it. Uh, uh, Lacelso's died. That's yep. bad, right? <laughs> it's, it's not great. It's not the best news. It's, it's not been the best international break, surely, just because of that. Um, question from Jalahil, who is J-A-L-A-H-I-L on Twitter. How detrimental do you think the Celso's injury will be to his integration to the team now that we're entering the critical period where Poch said he's going to be focused on building squad cohesion? It, it, obviously, like, we've bought this new expensive player and we're all excited to see him and he's starting to build up his minutes and it looks like, oh, okay, you know, he's getting half an hour and it's international break, so maybe he'll be ready to start games. Oh, he's injured and that's very disappointing. But I think, like... Uh, he's probably like he's behind Ndombele and Eriksson, and I think that the most important thing is is settling those players together and 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 Winkson as, as well, and and getting that operational. I think Lacelso is one. I said before on a previous episode that it's not the end of the world that he only arrives at the at the end of the window because I think we can take our time with him. If you see him as sort of like the long term replacement for Eriksson and also a body in midfield, it's not the end of the world that we don't have that immediately. I could not have put it better myself. Beautifully said, Nathan. Um, and and you know other players are getting fit right now, like Sessegnon, like and Dombele. So yeah. it's like you say, not the end of the world. Um, we can cope. And, and, it, and to be honest, the attack isn't looking too bad so far. Not at all, not at all. I, I also think that like it sort of <laughs> clears up selection headaches a little bit because you can sort of establish what you've got and then bring in an additional factor later and experiment with how that goes rather than trying to juggle like who who's starting when when you've got 12 players. Absolutely. Bardi, are you concerned at all? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit concerned. I'm quite surprised how, how relaxed you guys are. 
because we've got like eight games in the next three weeks. Oh, shit. And it kind of, it kind of would have been useful to have um, to have Lacelso there because we've got we're in the rotation now where we've got um, end weekend Premier League and then midweek either Champions League or football or the or the League Cup. So I I think Lacelso being fit now would have been great for squad rotation and minutes. And it's it's really disappointing, especially considering this is groin that got injured when it was clearly his ankle that they went after, the Chileans went after. So there's quite disappointing there. But I want to know why Argentina are playing like a fierce rival in a friendly. I, I don't. Why can't they just go play Qatar or I don't know, play uh, play someone a little bit more friendly than 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 like an arch rival. And arguably more importantly, why on earth are we sending a just recovered player Mm, to play for Argentina against a rival in a friendly? That doesn't seem logical to me. You know, the, the, the classic withdrawal from squad manager was Alex Ferguson. He would do it almost every time. Uh, and you know, Pochettino does. He said before he likes his players to play international football. It's a big thing to him throughout his career. He thinks it should be a big thing to them as well. But there comes a point where you've got to draw the line. And surely, when a player is just getting back to fitness, it's not the best time to send them halfway across the world to play, like you say, against their rival. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they thought that it would help him uh, get match fit, but didn't seem logical to me. Apparently, they were like properly kicking the shit out of each other in their match as well. <laughs> Ten yellow cards. Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising. It's South not American sure. football is never want to be the most kind of relaxed affair. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know. They just got a different mindset. It's not like if England play Germany in a friendly, sure. even though it's even though it's quite passionate, there's still they they still understand that there's no need to boot each other. Maybe the only exception is Holland Germany because they never have friendlies. Uh, Buddy, you raised a good point there about um, squad rotation over the next few weeks. Um, I do feel as though with Delhi back. And and therefore Lamella probably dropping down to the bench. Lucas already having dropped down to the bench, and Sessegnon coming back into fitness. We we've got good options there. Um, I feel like we can cope in the short term. I I think it would have been really great to have Lacelso bedding in over this period, ready to hit the ground running over Christmas. But um, in in terms of sheer numbers, I think we'll cope okay. Yeah, I I, I think so as well. But it's just because Lacelso could end up being such a key player. It's um it's an ideal opportunities like um just looking at the fixture list now that Colchester game and that Leicester away after the trip to to Greece would be like kind of ideal games where he, perhaps you would think about starting them. Mm, no, fair enough. Um, before we crack on with listener questions because that's what the bulk of this episode is going to be. Uh, one of you, one of you snakes, has put this in the running order. Talking point three. Trippy is doing well at Atletico. Windy to apologise. Nathan to gloat. Anyone want to own up to that? <laughs> no, if I was going to snake you, I'd snake you to your face. This has got Nathan written all over it. Nathan A. Clark. <laughs> when I Go put this running order it. together a week ago, these were the fresh topics of the day. Trippy was dropping masterclasses. We just had a Champions League draw. The window were just closed. These were the things to talk about. And now it's a week on and these things sort of seem awkward. But I do think that you're sort of um, avoiding addressing the topic because you do need to apologise. <laughs> Don't don't apologize. You, you did nothing wrong. We uh, every logical person would have thought knew that Trippier would work out all right. Athletic, he would work out okay there. He kind of they could play to his strengths. It's a good solid four four two for a good solid four four two fullback. So he's doing he's doing fine. Yeah, that that's exactly my point. That was exactly my point. And when he said he would do badly. <laughs> oh, okay. I must have blanked that bit out. But I need to make a note of it. Are you asking for Winnie to apologise now? Um, no, no. I still, I would never do that to a to a fellow extra incher. <laughs> he, he he has not been attacked yet. Uh, wait wait till a single player runs at him and okay. and then come back to me. 
right. um, we'll revisit uh, this in january yeah absolutely it's early days you know the guy can cross what can i say uh Josh Brown Spurs says, when you guys next record, it'd be great to hear your thoughts on what is our best lineup now with the squad seemingly nearing full fitness, lol. Uh, both the <laughs> low block teams and the more adventurous sides. We, we did touch on this in the last episode a little, but, um, Nathan, have you revised your opinion at all? No, yeah, so I, I, I sort of mentioned it last episode and then I sort of ran through a bunch of possibilities on, on Twitter on how essentially it's really hard to pick. 11 from 12 players and there's sort of a thing between do we need winks or can we operate Lo Celso and and, and Dombele as a two-man midfield and if we have to drop an attacker which attacker do we drop um if Sun is the weakest of the five attackers okay but then what do you do about pace all of these kind of questions and then Lo Celso got injured and that sort of makes all of those problems go away at least for a while. Sure. Um, and I'm just trying to be positive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is a bit like that, isn't it? Um, I also think during the season, what typically happens is someone makes a surprise burst from mm. the squad or the youth team and the, like they'll cement themselves in the manager's thinking. Um, maybe this year it'll be Oliver Skip, could be, for example. Um, and, that, and that throws another spanner into the works and you end up with someone out of the team who you weren't expecting. So I guess that remains to be seen to a degree as well. Uh, I'm trying to read this uh, Twitter name in my head and I can't quite get it. Okay, I think I'm there. MDJ Gibbo says, Kane, Deli, Eriksson and Son is still our best front four in my opinion. Do you think Ndombele and Winks will be strong and capable enough to control games or do you think against the top teams we will need three in there and to rest one of the four attacking players? Bardi, what do you make of that? Do you, do you sort of see us going with a... A, a flat three in midfield against some of the better teams yeah I think so and regards our best lineup I think having Endombele back and fit is, is is really important and I'm glad he didn't go to play with France um, I think yeah I I really liked what we saw from Endombele and Winks when they played in the two against um, against against Villa yeah I, I think so I think I would go with that I would agree Marshall Totten says do any of you see the loss of Marcus Edwards today as it was then as something we may uh, likely regret or very likely regret Nathan I'll start with you on that one not in the sense that like we're in desperate needs of a player of his type and that we're leaving a gap without him but I, I, it is quite feasible that he will go on to flourish as a really good player and we'll say we sold him for pennies and we had this talented player in our academy and we let him go we fell out with him and it was unnecessary yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think the thing to say is that the loss of Edwards as he was at the end of his Spurs career is not a huge loss, obviously. I mean, that's obviously it's not a huge loss. He's, he's played 15 minutes mm. and he's had reported attitude problems when he's been alone at Norwich. So, yeah, clearly not a big loss. But what we are losing is the potential of what Marcus Edwards could become, what he could have become if we'd done things differently if he'd done things differently and it is a real pity that it's panned out this way now lots of people are keen and quick to blame Edwards for this and see this as him being um trouble essentially my argument my counter argument is Spurs have had Marcus Edwards on their books for many many years since he was a literal child so therefore they had an element of control over his development not only as a footballer but as a person yeah and therefore, if we're criticising his um, off-field behaviours, then we need to start thinking about reviewing our own internal processes and thinking about what went wrong with our work with Edwards. Because it, for me, it's not all down to the player. It's 
the club and the player. So what what else is quite interesting is um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but fuck it, I'm going to say it. I've heard that uh, Sam Shishua, who who moved abroad permanently this summer, was massive trouble off the pitch as well. Um, we we didn't hear about that on a on a repeated sort of front of office basis, did we? Exactly, exactly. So no one has ever mentioned Sam Shishua being a minutes problem in in public. For me, there's only one reason why Edwards is outed as a problem and Sham is not outed as a problem. And I probably don't really want to get into that discussion right now, but it's pretty obvious. Um, it's, a, it's a shame what's happened with Edwards. I hope he goes on to become a massive, massive success. I hope he scores goals against Arsenal in the Europa League. Eey. And uh, I hope he becomes an England player. But if, if he doesn't, that doesn't mean he wasn't special because he's a very talented boy. Uh, Buddy, interested to get your thoughts as someone who's a bit more sceptical of the academy. <laughs> Why am I sceptical? I, I just, I think, um, I think responsibility with Edwards, like you said, lies in both camps. It lies on the player and his family. And it also lies on Tottenham as well. Edwards won't be the last promising teenager to end up being end up not fulfilling their career you know football's littered with with um, prodigies I think part of the problem was perhaps Pochettino when he used the word called him a, a, a new Messi or a little Messi I think that probably put him on the map earlier than he should have been but as I said there's been plenty of young promising teenagers who've gone on and never achieved what they should have achieved so maybe Edwards would just end up as one of them hopefully he'll come back and just for himself and as an ex-Spurs academy player do something but you know I'm a kind of like nonplussed with the whole situation it would have been nice had it worked out but it didn't so good luck we move on we move, we move on, on. Uh, Mapsy91 says supposing we still have Dybala money in January would you want us to go for either him or Fernandez again or use money to fix up the defence Nathan we'll start with you there yeah, it's it's sort of tempting to say, well, we've got LaCelsa win, we've got Ericsson for another year, let's look at these other issues. But I, I do sort of stand with the club that like you, you also want this sort of um more direct playmaker, this sort of this uh this star boy attacker. If it's sort of a shootout between Dybala and Fernandez, I'm I, if I have one big error, is that I, 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 in my scouting, is I overfocus on profiles and ignore general quality. Obviously, Dybala is 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 the the mega star, um, but I do think Fernandez is is a better fit for what we want. Um, but yeah, we do also have problems uh, and things to to upgrade elsewhere in the squad. You know, how about you, Bards? I was never really for Dybala signing until he almost nearly signed. It's it's kind of like that that. I always thought we we should go out and buy a right back, uh, perhaps um, another centre back. But given the opportunity to have a world class, world established player like Dybala, I don't think you can turn down that opportunity, even if it does mean Eriksen leaving a little bit earlier. Um, I get Fernandez is probably the long term better project, but Dybala at Tottenham, man, come on, that would be that would be insane. He is the X factor player, isn't he? He's like he's. A kind of player that could push you up a level. And that is very uh, hard to turn down. I mean, in terms of the defence, a lot I mean, will depend on whether Alderweireld signs a contract. I, th- I think I saw a question somewhere about... Um, maybe it was maybe today or, or someone tweeted us regarding fullbacks. Like Manchester City played... Uh, they won the, the league with Fabian Delph at fullback. Is the you don't need to, maybe you don't have to have the greatest fullbacks in the world if you've got attacking players like De Bruyne or Dybala these kind of guys maybe you can fudge it a little bit so um, yeah let's, let's sign Dybala let's just do it ignore ignore the right back put Sanchez there 
<laughs> so absolutely don't put Sanchez there. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, I, 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 I would really like a quality right back. I, not that I'm against Walker Peters at all. I think he's great. I think we need another right back rotation though. Yeah. Um, and Yusuf Atel seemed like such a great fit. If we could get him in January, I'd be thrilled with that. Um, I think if Alderweireld signs a contract and we get him for another couple of years, then I'm fine with the centre-back situation. I, I really am. So before uh, this season, the idea to me of having Foyth and Sanchez coming through to fill the boots long-term of Vertonghen and Alderweireld was an exciting one, and I thought we'd planned that quite well. <laughs> now, a couple of slightly dodgy games for Sanchez has changed all of our thinking and that shouldn't be the case we should be thinking long term here and Sanchez is still a very talented young footballer who's got loads of potential we, we shouldn't give up on him I, I'm, <laughs> you know many people already already have um, people writing him off like he's Anthony Gardner I mean right come on and and um, on you quickly, you mentioned Aurier, and I know Nathan was going to ignore this, but someone tweeted today that Aurier is captain for his national team. Put some respect on his name. So, um... <laughs> Not a question. <laughs> I have no answer to that. Did he? He played centre back, did he, for um, British national team as well? I wanted to look into that. I, it, there was like a lineup of him playing, but I don't, I'm not familiar enough with the other players to say no. Hang ah, on, this okay. bloke's a centre back. I I might go have a look at that if you want. Imagine um, they got they, like they got hit by lightning. Aurier and Sancho's training, and they've kind of body swapped into uh, <laughs> into each other. And that's why Sancho's was playing right back, and Sancho's was actually playing how Aurier plays at right back. Yeah. You know, that's true. That's accurate. Yeah. I think you're right. Freaky Friday. Yeah, it's more of a fighting cock theory than an extra inch theory. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, in answer to Mapsy's question, I think. Uh... I think I'd go for the X Factor signing. Wee. But I want a right back. Um, <laughs> How about an X Factor right back in Yusuf Atal? Is that, yeah. is yeah. that a good, a good enough? Would you, if, if the right back uh, is Atal, does that change your mind? That, which that doesn't use up all of the money, though, does it? That's like a portion uh, of the money. Uh, you might. How much do you reckon you'd cost? Um, 30? Maybe 40 in, in north of wow. that, even. I think they've, they've, they, because potentially here you're in like a bidding war with PSG, you know? Mm, mm. And if it's January. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that. It's mid season. We've left it longer. It becomes more expensive, naturally. He's, he's playing, he's doing the Sessignon. He's playing at wing most of his games now. Right. um, Which only increases his stock, stupidly. 45 there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss B 
DLP underscore Corey says, are we capable of a Liverpool 4-3-3 style with Son, Kane, Deli, or Lucas, and Winks, Eriksen, and Ndombele behind in the combination? Or am I a shit tactician? Uh, Nathan, is BLP Corey's a shit tactician? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Anytime you're, you know, utilising outside of the box thinking, you're doing better than most. Um... Uh, very well likely that that exact uh, 11 players can work out very well for us on many occasions maybe not always in a 4-3-3 maybe you want to tweak that around and everything else um yeah that's possible but specifically can can we play a liverpool 4-3-3 style the foundation of the way liverpool play and the way that they utilize these two rapid narrow wingers either side of their forward who drops deep is the way that they behave defensively in, in that they they defend in a medium block they turn the ball over uh high up the pitch and they breaking behind and they counterattack again and again and again while the opposition are most vulnerable and that's not just something that Pochettino can put into this team overnight or even over season uh, essentially a manager and there's some flexibility in it but a manager is the skills that they have managers don't really develop a huge amount they might improve they might make tweaks they might you know gradually improve at certain aspects but you don't you're not a possession manager and then you decide this season I'm going to be Jurgen Klopp and you sort of go away for a a weekend coaching course and you come back and you have your team playing Liverpool so no we can't become Liverpool that's that's not how it works (laughs) so I'm I'm really it's interesting that you pinpointed the defense there because I was going to say fullbacks and Firmino so for me Kane and Firmino couldn't really be more different in terms of a style I I Uh... love you you think Kane could play that role Mm. I think there's a lot of similarities. I think that, you know, they both sort of straddle playing as a nine, playing as a ten. I think they're both impressive passers. I think they've both got a lot of energy. I think they're both reasonably tall. I think there's there's quite a few crossovers between them. I don't see that. So okay. I, I really I really like Firmino a lot. I think he's been one of the most underrated players in the Premier League over the past sure. two and a half seasons. Um, he, I, he's one of my favourite players to watch as well. He's kind of like, he's like Lamella if he was faster and better. Sure. He he drops from um a nine position into into deep midfield or deeper into midfield and scraps for the ball, uh, creates chaos with his movement, and then is incredibly unselfish in the way that he then plays in yeah, fair Salah and, and Mane. For me, Kane is like yeah, I love Kane. Ball. I love I love Kane dearly, but yeah, he wants the ball. He wants the ball, and he wants to shift it onto a, a either foot inside the penalty area and get shots away. And you know, Firmino does score a lot of goals as well. He's he's a a, a very good goal scorer, not the same rate as Kane. Uh, Firmino allows Salah and Mane, particularly Salah, Salah, to be the kind of star man, whereas Kane is the star man for us, and he's the spearhead. Um, so I d- I don't think we could replicate it from that respect. But also, Liverpool's fullbacks are ridiculous. They yeah. are absolutely ridiculous. Um, so good to watch like the way they hit the byline but then use the ball really intelligently from there but also um you know have have the legs to get up and down as well and we're not there yet with our fullbacks it might come it might it might happen again uh it might be this year might be next but it's going to take some time robertson and alexander arnold are really exceptional um buddy how about you what do you think yeah, I I was I wanted us to play four three three at the start of the season, but I I just don't think we've got um, I don't think we've got the legs that Liverpool have to, to be able to play it. I don't think I've sent our our three midfields Winks, Eriksen, Endombele. They they I just, they're not box to box enough. They don't they don't get around enough, especially especially Eriksen. I would like us to play a four three three, but it would need a change of personnel. And as you said, our our fullbacks don't have um, don't have the engines. And Liverpool are allowed they allow their defence to be exposed a little bit more because they've got Van Dijk. 
and they've got an excellent goalkeeper and I'm I'm not sure um I'm not sure we can allow Vertonghen and Alderweireld a little bit less so to be put in one-on-one situations as consistently as Liverpool do with Van Dijk. Very fair. Uh next one is from Reddit. It's from uh underscore gumnut underscore. If Pep were to manage Spurs with this current squad, would he have us dominating games uh, the same way City do? Buddy, how about you? Um, I think we would probably be a bit, little bit closer to Pep's first Manchester City team. I think we would have the ball a lot, but then when we didn't have it, we would we would get punished quite badly. Mm. So that's that's kind of where I am. I think Pep would do a good job, but we would we wouldn't win the league. He he needs his Fernandinho type, doesn't he? He needs his Fernandinho, and this is not a criticism of Man City or Pep because they have the money, so they spend it. But he needs his De Bruyne, his Bernardo Silva, and Sane's and Sterling's and everything else like that. Pep's a great manager, don't get me wrong, but you know, he, as he showed with his first City team, he's not a miracle worker. He's not. He's not good. He, I don't think he can win the league with an average team. Or I'm not saying we're average, but you know, with a top top six-ish team. Nathan, we spoke quite a bit about um, Spurs fullbacks potentially doing the City fullback thing. Um, how how do you think it would work out if he had Spurs? I think that it'd be very similar. I think that there are a lot of tactical similarities between Pochettino and, and Pep. I think they, they have the same principles. They might go about it slightly different ways and different tweaks and uh, different levels of, of physicality and that sort of stuff. But they're, yeah, they're very similar. I think that Pep would have the exact same issues that Pochettino does. I also think that Pep would give up and leave <laughs> for some reason <laughs> he was at Tottenham. Um, yeah, no, I think Buddy, Buddy immediately makes the best point is that if you look at first year City, that's what it looks like when when Pep doesn't have the the squads that he needs. Mm. So he'd basically need to do a lot of spending before he got it to a point where he could win the league. Yeah, and, and people use that as a stick to beat Guardiola. Um, but like like as a player, you can have different strengths and weaknesses and be perfectly valid, right? Pep's ability isn't to get Cambridge United promoted, right? It, uh, the, the role of a manager is to uh, create a cohesive squad that is more than the sum of his parts, right? Uh, sorry, I started over that. More than the sum of its parts. And and Guardiola is able to do that at the highest level of talent, right? He can take a ridiculously talented squad that has De Bruyne and two Silvers and Aguero and, and everyone else and push that to even the level above those individuals. That's why he's so brilliant and, and he's rightly celebrated for that. Also, he's not great when he has to play um, a 32-year-old Bakary Sanya. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 totally, I totally agree with what Nathan said there. I, people, people will beat Pep, Pep for, um, for spending $65 million on Rodri and chucking a load of money at Laporte, but what's he not going to do? If he's got the money, he spends it. So um, I think Man City would have become the best team in England under Pep had even had he not spent all that money as he did, but I just think it would have taken a little bit longer to get there. Sure. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I, I completely agree with that viewpoint. Uh, okay, this is a long one, so bear with me. Uh, Sam LB86 says, Hi Nathan, I have a KWP question. My main excitement with the change to Walker Peters from Trippier was that I presumed he was a more attacking fullback. In the games I've seen so far, he seems to be playing more cautiously than I expected. Did I presume wrong about his attribute? Or is it perhaps tactical for him to play in a similar role to Kieran Trippier? If latter, do you think that is what Poch now wants from the position, or do you think this is a temporary measure whilst our central midfield and Walker Peters himself gain some confidence in game time? Yeah, I think all of those are factors. I think, um, like, uh, being attacking is like a difficult 
um, attribute to measure because, like, yeah, if you want to make the Trippier comparison, yes, Trippier is really good in the final third. He's a brilliant crosser. He's a great creative passer. Um, but he didn't do a huge amount in attack for us a lot of the time because he didn't have the athletic ability to get into those positions. Yeah, right. That's, that's so often overlooked. That point. That's such a great point. Yeah. So I think that uh, Walker Peters is more athletic than Trippier. But he is less athletic than Walker was, right? So you're going to see a middle ground. And yeah, probably for the time being, he's playing it a little more safer than than is his um, optimal ability because he's only just getting consistent game time now. And yes, also perhaps on top of that, he's instructed to take it safer. And yes, on top of that, maybe we're setting up in a way to ask a little less of him um, in attack so that he can focus on getting his defensive basics. Because realistically, his weaknesses are defensive um, he makes defensive mistakes because he's a young player with limited game time. Um, so I think that we will see him over time demonstrate the attacking ability that he already has. Plus, at the moment, he's playing in a team which has Soko in midfield. Yeah. So uh, there's there's that too. Um, Bardi, how, how do you feel about the, I'm going to say, upgrade in inverted commas uh, from Trippier to Walker-Peters? No, I like Walker-Peters. I think, um, I agree with Nathan. I think he's been a bit cautious. He's he, he's very concerned about making defensive errors, which is probably affecting his attacking play. But a lot of the problems with our fullback last, like fullbacks last year was our midfield. And they're, um, they were constantly getting caught out of possession because they were, they were moving into areas where the ball should have come and it never came. And it, they ended up looking like idiots because they were in the wrong place when the uh, ball got turned over. Um, Walker Peters is, is a massive upgrade from Trippier. He's, he's young, he's English. So it's Trippier. <laughs> I don't know what that point means. I don't know what that point means. Anyway, but he's young. He's, he's English. He's Tottenham. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know where my point is gone. I've lost <laughs> you can just cut all of my point out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have nothing really to add. I like Carl Walker-Peters. I think he's looked he's looked good. He's looked interesting. He's an upgrade of Trippier. <laughs> He's young, he's English. <laughs> oh, he's English. Oh, my oh, days, Fardy. Fucking Jeez. hell. <laughs> uh, may, may I just, um, may I reassure you on Walker Peters' attacking abilities? Um, it's it's very true to say that, as yet, uh, he has not displayed his true potential in terms of what he can offer in the attacking attacking third. But he's so good at dribbling. For the under-18s, this is it's not an exaggeration to say that he would literally control the the game from right back at times um, with his dribbling. He'd come inside, he'd dictate the tempo, he'd, he'd be playing passes from that position. I'm not saying he'll directly translate that into the first team because that's, you know, we're talking six years ago now. He was playing under 18 football. Um, but he's got the ability to do that. So we might not see all of it, but we'll definitely see some of it. And when he settles into the role a bit more, um, we'll see a lot more from him. He got like, he got a hat-trick of assists, didn't he, in the game last season. Um, so he's clearly capable of producing at that, at the top level. And he just needs to play himself into the team a bit more and, and boost his confidence over time. And I think that that will happen naturally and that's fine. If, uh, the other thing is, you know, he's, he's a young English, uh, fullback and <laughs> that's, that's, that's really, that's really good for us to have a if, young English player. If Walker Peters can stay injury-free and error-free for the next 
couple of months, I think he might turn into be a great fullback for Tottenham Hotspur. But it's, I think it's it's all in the next six months or so, how which will define his career because he's got the opportunity now to play. He doesn't really have any competition. The, the position's his, and for the first time in his Spurs career, he's going to have a proper go at this role. So it's it's on his shoulders now to uh, to actually make him to make himself a great player. I, I really agree. I really really agree with that, and I I do think it is ridiculous that we're in this position where he's basically got six months to make himself into a Premier League player or that's it mm-hmm. we're gonna it shouldn't be like this he should have been on loan for like three seasons by now and be an established um probably Premier League footballer who's got games and games and games under his belt but he's barely played over the last three years and it's been so frustrating and he's stagnated and it frustrates the hell out of me I'm um, not sure whether a loan would have helped him because he still would have come back to Spurs and he still would have questions to answer he would still have to perform at a level that Spurs now, we operate at a much higher level than he would get at a, um, had he gone to, I'm trying to think of a, like a West Ham or something like that. We play a totally different game, which needs a totally different set of quality. So I still think he, he would have been questioned and under, under the microscope. And probably had he gone on loan, we might have signed another right back and he would have come back as second choice backup. I think weirdly, this is probably the best thing that's happened to him in his career was staying at Spurs, not going anywhere, being under Pochettino's eyes the whole time. And now we're going to a season with him as first choice right back. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not convinced. I think we've had a lot of success in the past with loaning fullbacks. I'm thinking Rose. I'm thinking mm. Walker. Um, Adam Smith, who's who's now an established Premier League right back, who's done very well for himself. He spent a lot of time out on loan. I'm sure there are others, but um, yeah, I just feel like he's wasted so much time, but maybe that's my bias. Um, we're playing Crystal Palace at the weekend. Uh, Bardi, I think you've you've seen them once this year. This year. What did you make of them? Well, top four rivals at the moment. They're sitting in the top four. Are they? Yeah. yeah. I, I had a little um, peruse on their Reddit and it was, um, now we're a top four team. How do we break into the top two? Which <laughs> I, do, I did quite like that. Um, it, you, it's, you can almost guess how they're going to play. Um, last season, for, I think it was the opening game at White Hart Lane. They came with very little intent to attack and try and try and hit us on the break, which is kind of like the blueprint for most teams that come to visit us now. <sighs> Uh, their players aren't the most interesting. Jordan Awu's got two goals in two games for them, which I think for a Palace striker is something that hasn't happened since probably they had Ian Wright and Mark Bright up front. They're not the most interesting teams in the world. It's a good team to play after the international break. So, you know, it should be three points for us, to be honest. Are you just as confident, Nate? Um I was pretty confident before Newcastle, so mm. you know how it goes. But I, th- I think that no, we're we're like there's a there's a big um, sort of page turning moment here is that we've had this little break and yeah, okay, Lascelles got injured and, and that sort of dampened things, but but we we've we've closed the window, which Pochettino has been like v- very vocal about how happy that is. We we've we're really settling our squads in a good way. We've had these these two weeks off, some training time for those who didn't go. Um, and I think that this is like, OK, the true season begins now. On Palace specifically, I haven't watched their games, but I have watched their squad building and it's like abysmal. Um, mm. Like they, they they keep adding like um, aged players to sort of um, stop gap. Um, they sold Wan-Bissaka, their sort of one young talent. And I think that they've again spent that on on you know not young talents but but sort of shoeing things up and and now their squad is is really old and like we see how that goes for Stoke 
and Sunderland and Swansea and other teams beginning with S is that it just it just rots away and and maybe they won't like get the worst of it this season or even this weekend um but that's going to catch up with them really soon and I think they're heading in a in a pretty negative direction I think Hodgson is a sound enough manager though to sure. keep them to keep them up I don't think I think they'll always be kind of lower lower half floating around relegation but I think Hodgson's always got enough in him to to keep them safe there's a there's enough kind of established Premier League players in there who are all right Milo uh, Milovojevic Koyate and Zaha you know he's, they've, they've got enough points in those players there to ever really n- never really be in trouble of going down I think yeah when Nathan said earlier about um a good manager getting more than some of the parts out of the team that that's Hodgson all over isn't it he he mm-hmm. certainly is capable of that but my god does that man need a director of football to do his buying yeah. for him because that squad is a hot mess <laughs> not not good at all um and as Nathan points out it's very very old so uh Zaha who's 26 is their second youngest player I think <laughs> um Max Mayer being the the youngest at 23 and he's another one he's kind of gone downhill since joining Palace um but yeah they're they're just you look through the squad and there's just old players left right and center um I do like Milivojevic like you said Vardy he's he's got quality he's a very good good midfielder um and they've kind of got spatterings of quality throughout the team um but the 11 is not consistent at all like no Premier League team should really be relying on Joel Ward at right back for example he's he's just not good he's not a good right back Martin Kelly's probably going to play a lot of games this year he's kind of proven he's not good enough to be a a Premier League uh, defender um so yeah I, I I I must admit I, I, I fear for Palace this year. I think I like Hodgson as a manager. I think he's done wonders over the years. Um, it, I don't know if they'll be like one of the three worst teams, but they won't be far off. Um, they, they'll definitely need someone to pop up with some goals, whether that's Ayu, uh, who's already scored two kind of unexpectedly. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't see many goals in that team, to be honest. Whenever I think of Crystal Palace, I always think of like the stat. They always, they always seem to be on like an 11 game streak without losing, but they, ne- they never go down. <laughs> Weird, weird, weird team. Very weird team. Um, so you're confident we can win, Nathan? I certainly think we can. Uh, I'm certainly excited to to see the team that we we can field. I think that that you know the, the lineup will very much dictate my positivity, and I guess that you know that's always the case. But I think that especially now is it, it, with everything it has been up in the air for the first four games, and now you want to see that sort of consistency. Okay, we're Tottenham. Here's our team. Here we go. We're just waiting for that team news, aren't we? We we want to know who's fit, who can play, who's who's able to play ninety minutes. Um, Kane looked super fresh for England. He looked really really good, and hopefully he can translate that that form into into the Spurs shirt. And uh, you know, there's no reason why we shouldn't be smashing Palace. It's just that we've all got a bit downbeat after the Newcastle game. Um, I like you guys. I feel confident that we can comfortably win this game. Um, so fingers crossed. Um, before we go, just want to say thank you very much for the very kind comments about the podcast I did with Ben. Haynes, who was great. That was good, um, Yeah, Ben's lovely and he really knows his stuff and he kind of has a fairly unique perspective. So we'll definitely do some work with him in the future. Um, but yeah, appreciate all the comments on Twitter. It's been lovely. Um, right, boys, we'll leave it there, I think. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Barney for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out. He's great. great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really